You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. episode we'll be talking about Fleetwood Mac rumors in the room I have Anne Hello. on the line I have Rob what's up Ben <laughs> and Kyle hi there rumors is the 11th studio album by British American rock band Fleetwood Mac released on the 4th of February 1977 by Warner Brothers <clears throat> the producer was Fleetwood Mac Ken Callett Richard Dashen and the genre is pop rock and soft rock, and I'm going to read from All Music Review, Stephen Thomas Irwine. Rumors is the kind of album that transcends its origins and reputation, entering into the realm of legend. It's an album that simply exists outside of criticism and outside of its time, even if it thoroughly captures its era. Prior to the LP, Fleetwood Mac were moderately successful, but here they turned into a full-fledged phenomenon, with Rumors becoming the biggest-selling pop album to date. While its chart success was historic, much of the legend surrounding the record is born from the group's internal turmoil. Unlike most bands, Fleetwood Mac in the mid-70s were professionally and romantically intertwined with no less than two couples in the band. But as their professional career took off, the personal side unraveled. Bassist John McVie and his keyboardist singer wife Christine McVie filed for divorce as guitarist-vocalist Lindsey Buckingham and vocalist Stevie Nicks split, with Stevie running to drummer Mick Fleetwood, unbeknownst to the rest of the band. These personal tensions fueled nearly every song on Rumors, which makes listening to the album a nearly voyeuristic experience. You're eavesdropping on the bandmates singing painful truths about each other, spreading nasty lies and rumors, and wallowing in their grief, all in the presence of the person who caused the heartache. But that's what makes Rumors such an enduring achievement. It turns private pain into something universal. Some of these songs may be too familiar, whether it's through their repeated exposure on FM radio or their use in presidential campaigns. But in the context of the album, each tune, each phrase regains its raw, immediate emotional power, which is why Rumors touch on a nerve in its 1977 release, and has since transcended its era to be one of the greatest, most compelling pop albums of all time. All right, what do we think of Fleetwood Mac, Rumors? Perfect album. So good. Damn near perfect album. Yeah, Yeah, pretty pretty close. Pretty close. We're going to get into it. It's a great great record. Great record. It's excellent. Every song is great. (laughs) (laughs) I would say a good 10 out of 11. 10 out of 11. I like all of them. So there's one. (laughs) There's one track. Yeah, Songbird sucks, man. Oh. <laughs> it always has. I, I tried to give you Songbird, but I went back and listened to it, and it's gorgeous. I, it's a pretty song in its own context, but in the context of this album, 
I feel, you know, by the time you get to go your own way, this album is amping up. Yeah. And then it just screeches to a halt for Songbird. But that's what it is to have heartache, Ben. It's an emotional roller coaster. Man, it's it's <laughs> like the, it's like the James uh, Iha tracks at the end of uh, Melancholy, where it's just like, why are you why are you giving this person like rain? Just 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 snip it or put it somewhere else. I mean, I, honestly, I don't know where you could put Songbird where it wouldn't have slowed things down. Maybe track three, and then never stopped going back again into. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think if you would have put it earlier, it would have. Well, is it not the end of side one? It's the end it of side is, one. but you, that's why a, would that would be uh, a, a nah. side one? You know, for for being for songs being about you know like turmoil and heartache, side one bops like like tracks one through six. It, it's it's up tempo. Even the sad songs, the melancholy songs, are grooving like. Dreams just grooves right through. Then you, you got like Never Going Back Again, which crucial deep cut, you know, like the so many of the songs on this album were big hits, but the, the album tracks in this album, they're just as classic. Like the finger picking on Never Going Back Again. And then Don't Stop, like big rave up, go your own way, huge rocker. Oh, oh, it's like a, a needle scratcher across a record. And you've got <laughs> Christine McVie alone in an auditorium at a grand piano with like a single rose on top. <laughs> a single rose on top. And, you, and, and you're champagne. just there for a few minutes. You know? <laughs> I, I, I guess you watched that Rumors documentary yes. too. Yes. <laughs> okay, <good>. A great <laughs> documentary. Yeah, you were telling me uh, on the Never Going Back Again um uh, when you were still doing the uh, Reverend Peyton touring that like you were listening to rumors and he was, he was getting super into how well this guy was finger picking. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, Reverend Peyton is one of the better finger picking guitarists alive and, and he's way into Lindsey Buckingham's playing on never going back again. No, it, it's, it's cool playing and it, it's cool to, you know, to showcase like a, like a style like that in a pop song that, uh, you know, it sounds really pretty, but uh, it, it's a nice addition to a, to a rock and roll record. You know, some nice like finger pick guitar. I agree. Yeah, two minutes twenty seconds. Like, yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, this is a great album. This it, it really showcases to a lot of different styles. It it offers what I think the seventies pop so, something maybe that had transcended from Fairport Convention uh, and folk stylings including Joni Mitchell and all those others kind of combining everything and and pushing it through to the 70s get some cocaine and let's go <laughs> don't stop thinking about tomorrow yeah just don't do it i love that mick v song i i when on our chat i was i was a little bit too disparaging to uh to to her uh additions to it but don't stop so fucking pop gem it is um, i'm still not on board with oh daddy though I, oh I, daddy I is achingly haunting and it's about mick fleetwood right huh it's about mick fleetwood right that's that's one of the rumors <laughs> <laughs> who who i guess was was secretly banging stevie nicks at the time <laughs> well his wife cheated on him he was sad while his wife cheated on him <laughs> Do you really not like Oh Daddy? I mean, come on. That song is... No, not, not hey, really. Kyle, if I had to cut another song, it would be Oh Daddy. You guys have been talking about how much you hate those Christine McVie songs for years. 
Yeah. <laughs> I don't hate all Christine McVie songs. She just happens to write two of the songs that I didn't like on this otherwise stellar record. I... <laughs> yes. It's This is the time. Yeah. <laughs> just, just opinions, man. Just opinions. <laughs> is it is it true? Do you agree, Kyle? Or agree what? Do you think they're on the same level as the other songs, or do you feel like they're weak? Or no, I think they're great. I don't think they're okay. weak. So, so they stand up. I against... don't think, okay, I don't agree with Rob's. Uh... Comparing them to the Jane Zeha songs from no. the end of Melancholy. No. <laughs> oh, Songbird is absolutely a Jane Zeha song. No, yes, it is. <laughs> it Come totally on, that's is. A, that's a double album, too. That's a completely different animal. I know. It's even more annoying then. Um, though I, I, I haven't heard any of like the re-releases of this. Like, Are there more songs that are really good that didn't quite make the cut? There's one that's really good that didn't make the cut. Uh it's called it's silver something silver springs you guys know what i'm talking about yeah great song yeah so so cut out songbird put in silver springs and call it a day i'm just saying it's not that it it slows the whole thing down it, it messes it up use songbird as a b-side there you go b-side to don't stop yeah would you, you, got, you got a full christine like, mcvee disc would you like this album better if there were no slow quieter moments and it was just like <clears throat> the same sort of thing the whole time though i think there are three i absolutely <laughs> think there are three slower quieter moments at the tracks one through three that do a much better job than what christy mcphee does uh with songbird i don't want to shit on christy mcphee forever here man i'm I, i'm just saying like for me personally like the that that song and maybe oh daddy but that, that that's it yeah. doesn't really matter. It, that that song kind of just fucks up the uh, the flow for me, especially like not not in album, like not in vinyl format, like just like listening to the CD or the MP3s all the way through. That was always a track I'd, I'd skip. Well, I would skip I, Songbird. Yeah, I think I could yeah. disagree with this because there is something that, yeah, it presents a different idea. It, you might not like her soloing and and singing while playing piano, but that's not on the rest of the songs, right? It, it provides something to people who are into uh, maybe choir. Vo- it, it, it pr- yeah. provides something yeah. for the choir kids. That's yeah. fine. All well, right, just, let, let, like let, them, let them eat cake. It that's adds fine. dimension take. to like the emotional landscape that's being presented to. Like it's not, I feel like it would be too one note for me if we didn't have those choir so moments. You think that, if the album was the same but didn't have Songbird, it would be one note? I just don't think it was would be as good as it is with Songbird. Okay, okay. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, so I'm the asshole. That's fine. No, no. No one's saying that. When you say it, you're disagreeing. Yeah, yeah. You didn't, you didn't see my face. When I, <laughs> no, I can't see your face right now because you're, you're in the witness protection plan. <laughs> oh, oh, there God you go. Fine, fine. I'll... Point uh, this seventy watt bulb at my face, you right. nightmare humans. Uh, also won the Grammy for Album of the Year, nineteen seventy eight, twentieth Grammy. Makes sense. Warranted. Warranted, absolutely. Twenty times platinum. This album has gone diamond. Forty five million <laughs> copies. Mm-hmm. How many? How many dang lives has Fleetwood Mac had leaving, leading up to nineteen seventy seven? Like how? How many iterate like? That band has been through so many iterations and at least a few different sounds. 
yeah. before landing on before before releasing their first self-titled album in what like 76 yeah i always i have you know though that record in this one and, and tusk but i always run into those those snarky guitar players who are like oh you like fleetwood mac and then they talk about their i've never heard their old records let, let me tell you about peter green for a while who who had just died actually oh yeah. r.i.p peter, R. I. P. Green. peter green yeah you've run into people like this right it's just yeah, I don't know. I've never heard anything before 76. I like that uh, someone's going to get their head kicked in tonight track. I think that's a really cool like rock and roll track. And uh, was it Rosillo's covered it, I think? That was a Fleetwood Mac song? Yeah. The fuck? Someone's going to get their head kicked in tonight. <laughs> yeah, Fleetwood that was Mac. Great <laughs> yeah. So yeah, they, they, they lived a few lives before they came to this soft rock epiphany. Have you heard their version? They're a blues trio for a while? Yeah, it, it's, it's like, uh, it's just like I don't want to rockabilly is the wrong word, but like, yeah, it's like garage rock. Uh, yeah. John Mayall. I mean, they were, they were in the blues breakers and they didn't want to add horns and they became their own band. I mean, it's funny. One of my, uh, Casey from my band, he was like, dude, Fleetwood Mac was, they were a blues band. They were a, yeah. Rocking kind of ruckus band until they, you know, until, until they met their girlfriends. Still, they met their girlfriends. And, <laughs> and, and started selling millions of albums. Yeah. <laughs> until they met their girlfriends and hard drugs. Yeah. And Lindsey Buckingham. Yeah, absolutely. Lindsey Buckingham. I mean. Well, I live next to Casey, so I'll, I'll see if he has any records he can let me borrow. He'll tell you. He'll talk your ear off about Lindsey Buckingham. Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham were a songwriting duo before they joined up with with Fleetwood Mac as Buckingham Nicks. Has that, I haven't heard any Buckingham Nicks. Uh, have you guys heard any? It's pretty does good. It, does it sound more like classic lineup Fleetwood Mac than than like previous Fleetwood Mac did? Like is it is like that Buckingham Nicks kind of where that sound comes from that we now kind of know as this Fleetwood Mac sound? I mean, I listened to it like a little bit of it in preparation for this. I didn't yeah, do a okay. dive, but it's it's quality, you know. Yeah, and you know, at this point, there are eleven albums in. Very few of those have I ever heard, or uh, I'm even familiar with. So I don't really know the the arc of the band's style. But just going from like rock and blues trio to a to a self titled album and rumors, I'm like where where where's all this pop come from? I like it. No, not what I'm listening to in my cans, but oh, beautiful song! <laughs> it's fuck Songbird. God damn it! Just get to the chain. Put no, on the chain. No. It's a better song. No, this is, this is calm down. It. Yeah. Just, Someone bring Rob a single rose and a glass of champagne. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll smear some Vaseline on this uh, on this lens here. Just a I'll focus. Yeah. Uh, hey, I have a game. I'm gonna say some things. And you're going to decide if they're true or a rumor. Oh, that's a good game. Okay, here we go. Stevie Nicks slept with Sly Stone while recording rumors. 
rumor. I know she slept in his bed. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he was there. What do you think, Rob? I think that's uh, a truth. Uh, it is a rumor. <gasps> Stevie Nicks did write dreams while in Sly Stone's bed, which was at the studio. Oh, he, yeah. He had a very like elaborate bed, and she went there to chill out and rest, and she wrote dreams. It just came to her, she said. Uh, second one. The band considered uh, thanking their Coke dealer on the album credits. I would say yes. True. I'd say true. That is correct. (laughs) (laughs) They're very considerate, those Fleetwood Mackies. Apparently they said if they lined up the lines of cocaine, it would have been miles (laughs) during this album. Um, All right, number three. Uh, When Green left the group, he declared money to be evil and gave it all away and then got a job as a grave digger. True. That's got to be true. That's a rumor. That's totally true. Ah! <laughs> I can't play because I figured out the key. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> uh, Mick Fleetwood placed cheat. a dildo named Harold on the top of his snare drum to achieve the muted drum sound. Rumor. Rumor. True. It's a rum- rumor. But he did place a a piece of plastic puke on the snare drum to get the muted sound. And that would work. They did have a joke dildo named Harold that he would put on top of his bass drum from time to time, and then he removed it after uh, Stevie Nicks and Buckingham joined the band because they were getting more serious. I guess. <laughs> Whatever. I didn't like Ten his albums dildo. in, they completely yeah. removed the dildo from the drums <laughs> because it's time to get serious. <laughs> uh, last one. Lindsey Buckingham. Lindsey Buckingham's guitar was restrung every 20 minutes during the recording of Never Going Back Again. True. That's, that's true. And that's crazy. Yep. True. Is, so what, can someone explain to me why that would have to happen? He wanted it to sound, he thought it sounded clear and unique uh, having fresh strings. So That's the cocaine talking. Yeah, I feel like that I can't be real, that. right? He would just... He would just do one take and then replace the strings? Yes. He got, well, obviously the, the technicians were not happy about this because they would be the ones replacing the strings. But yes, well, he local was doing dealer more was pretty cooking. happy with it. So, yeah. <laughs> he also sells Coke. Yeah. Yeah. It was probably just an excuse to go back and do, do a bump. <laughs> Come back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's going to take you guys a few minutes to restring this guitar, right? Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, there is something about new strings that it does have a very unique sound. They are not worn, but I can testify that he could have at least got... You're not going to deaden strings in 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Although, I mean... <laughs> Don't question the results. Uh, it does sound great. <laughs> it sounds wonderful. Yeah, it sounds and like how- new strings. How about the, the bass interlude into the coda of the chain that we just heard? Yeah. I think, I, yeah. Astonishing. Um, I got this album in high school because I saw the Behind the Music documentary. Oh, And this was definitely yeah. one of the first songs I tried to play on bass. I think oh, yeah. I read that uh, Christy McVie wrote that part. Oh, really? That's yeah. cool. Yeah. So you, li- you started listening to this in high school and liked it, Kyle. What about the... Because of Behind the Music. I was enthralled. Excellent. <laughs> the story um, of this album. What about you, Ben? I first started hearing these songs when I would 
drive around as a late teenager, early twenties and listen to like classic rock radio. Uh, and at the time I thought Fleetwood Mac was one of those bands that like your parents liked and you're supposed to like stuff that was definitely not soft rock. And, but I wouldn't change the channel when, and I, I, I remember it was the bass interlude into the coda of the chain. I heard it on the radio and I think I just tuned in and it just went to that. And I was like, well, this, whatever this is, this is really cool. Like this is, this is heavy. Like this could, this could go somewhere. And then like the, and then I, I'm like, oh shit, that was like that was the end of that Fleetwood Mac song. I should probably, I should probably reconsider this band. And yeah. that was that, that was how I got into them. Cool. Same experience for me. It was on FM radio, and I had the same reaction. It's like, yeah, I don't. This isn't the band for me. And then you realize, actually, they're yeah. <laughs> I was pretty solid. I was borrowing my mom's car, and <laughs> she just had like her CDs in there. I was like. I'll put this CD on. It looks stupid. And it was awesome. <laughs> and I was just what old enough to admit to myself that it was awesome too. I was pre- like in college. I was like, this is great. <laughs> I love this. Like, but it was kind of accidental, but shout out to my mom, yeah, Teresa. You, she's you, awesome. You re- <laughs> rebought it for her recently, right? Uh, yeah. She, I think she lost ago. it or yeah. something. She probably wore it out. Maybe. What <laughs> about you, Rob? When did you first listen to this? in its entirety i think ben found the vinyl somewhere cheap when we were living together and we just blast it that's what happened yeah no shit yeah easy one to find (laughs) oh yeah there's a few of them out there everywhere and so what i think like five of these songs were were huge radio hits and are still in heavy rotation on classic rock radio which like and they're all such like such classics that like when you do like even us like like 35 years later or whatever i i uh you go you, what, what year is this I, I don't know it's been this year for like three years and I, it's, it's been 43 years since this record came out okay i bought it maybe 10 years ago uh-huh so the 35 wasn't that far off as well okay fine <laughs> oh i see you're not saying okay i thought you were your number was referring to a different piece than it was that was <laughs> please proceed no no i I'm just saying, uh, like, <laughs> y- you know so much of this album just from being someone with ears on a radio Yeah. that when you get this album, when you go out and buy it, the first time you listen to it, if all if all that was good on it was those five songs, it would still be a great deal. But on that first listen, like, I know I already touched on this, like, all of these other songs are just deep cuts. Like, they could have been hits. There, there's the deep cuts on this album are so good. And also there's Songbird. Yeah. <laughs> can't can't stop hitting it. <laughs> can't stop, won't stop. Don't stop thinking about tomorrow. I won't. Don't stop thinking about this album. Sounds 
great. Yeah. Uh, was it? This is like, was it the record plant? Uh, is that? That's what they were talking about in that that Sound City documentary that Dave Grohl did, right? Yeah. Man, I don't know if it was the puke on the drums or the dildo on the drums or what, <laughs> but like the the rhythm section, both the drums and the bass in this record sound so good, and they're so forward. Like this album's like rhythm section forward. And I know they had a whole bunch of extra EQ knobs on that board. And I think yeah. they really upped uh, like the attack, both the, the drums and, and the bass. They're just, they're just pouncing all over this album. Well, they spent like a year in the studio uh, making this record. That's a long time. Uh, they had to tune a lot of the guitars. It just takes, it takes a lot of. <laughs> they also were under quite a bit of pressure having uh, hits uh, from the previous album. So uh, was it Rhonda? Uh, I, I'm I'm blanking on the song, but they had a they had a hit on the previous album, oh, and so Rihanna, Rihanna, Rihanna. yeah, uh, and so they thought, well, now we have to we have to up the ante. We have to do something really great for this. Plus, you mix in the factor drug habits, and you mix in the factor they were all breaking up with each other. And they had un- kind of unlimited studio time, a bit of uh, lax yeah. studio time. So yeah, of course. And they were working on a masterpiece. Well, they also postponed a, a tour because this record took so long to record. Yeah. Well, I guess the proof is in the pudding, and this yeah. is some tasty pudding. It's largest, good pud. Largest pre-order of albums in U.S. history at the time. Mm, uh, Eight hundred thousand really? copies of a pre-order. How many copies is it f- to to go gold? Is it? A hundred thousand, no, a million right? to go gold. I no, thought no, a million was five hundred thousand. Sorry, five hundred thousand. So, so gold and a half before it comes out, before anyone's heard it, it's gold and a half. That's incredible. Wow. That's cool. What if it had been a stinker? <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, right now we're listening to "I Don't Want to Know," which is one of the album cuts. I like this one a lot. It it reminds me. It's got like a, like a Buddy Holly, Bobby Fully for Bobby Fully. Bobby Fuller Four sound to it, kind of like a like a early '60s Texas rock. I like that. I yeah. saw on the cassette release for this, uh, the songs were in a slightly different order. They switched this with the first song. So oh, really? on the cassette, if you bought the cassette of this in the '70s, the first track was uh, was this, and they switched it with you know uh, secondhand news. Secondhand news. Hmm. I love that's, secondhand news. That's a bad choice. Yeah. They should stay where they were. I agree. This doesn't actually sound. I mean, when you think about it in that in that context, this doesn't sound like a bad opener. But oh, you know what it was though. With cassettes, a lot of the times they rearrange for the tape length so that it could be an even more more of an even split. Yeah. Although mm. that doesn't really make sense since it was on the record. Yeah. That way, maybe someone just messed up. <laughs> I just went with it. All right. Do we need need to go around the room? Probably not. Hate it. Can't stand it. Never listening to it again. I just wrote down, duh. (laughs) (laughs) No, this album, this album's fucking awesome. Buy it for the singles. Keep it for the deep cuts. You can get it at the record store. (laughs) Oh, yeah. There's 12 copies at the record store, no matter what store you're walking into. (laughs) Oh, we should uh, talk about these dangling balls on the cover. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've got notes on that. Go yeah, ahead. Tell me about these balls. Mm. <laughs> Phew, we, 
we Thank almost God got we out didn't of here. Forget to yeah. talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, a close one, guys. Yeah. All right, let's hear it. I also like on the back, John McVie is like the little league baseball coach. Oh yeah, I, that does remind me. The photographer mentioned the the top panels. Obviously, they were just going to go with the back cover because it's the best shot. But the top panel was unexpected. So you can see, uh, because they were all in that sort of weird relationship with each other, look at uh, uh, Fleetwood. He's standing over there to the side because he didn't know what was happening on the third panel. He, he kind of is like off to they're all hugging and he's the guys over, are hugging and the girls are hugging yeah and he's kind and of then, over to the side being like sheepish uh l- looking a bit uh off put as opposed it. to the the main picture where he's just creeping over their shoulders like oh yeah <laughs> loves it uh he's also if you've ever seen a picture of him he is the inspiration for animal uh oh the, yeah for the really? muppets mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he's big and lanky too. Yeah, he's like six oh. foot tall and he has weird eyes. <laughs> I love this podcast. Uh, go ahead, Kyle. Are you guys ready for the balls? Yes. Yeah. Ready. yeah. They were toilet chains that were stolen from a club the band played in their early years, and were often seen dangling from Fleetwood during Max live shows. <laughs> oh, so he would just wear them as balls, like. Yeah, so it's stolen from a hotel. And he's like, "Ooh, those are false." Hey, I stole these. Don't they look awesome. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's pretty funny. I mean, yeah, it I'm makes sense that. in the context of the puke and the dildo, right? Yeah, like, <laughs> goofballs. So, hey, do you guys like a uh, gold dust woman, or is it too uh, soft? No, I love gold yeah. dust woman. Yeah. Okay. It's not it, rules. It, so, no one, neither Rob nor I, ever said we dislike soft songs. Y'all are putting putting words in. I, I, I know I can speak for both of us. We both like plenty of songs that are soft. First I'm a soft boy. Music. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I <laughs> No, I get it. I'm just trying to get and, to the reasoning. And, I, between... and no one ever said they disliked Christine McVie songs. Uh, there's plenty of Christine McVie songs that I like. Yeah. It's just one and a half songs on this album. <laughs> yeah. I get it. It's a different, it's a different take. It's a different style. You said something about it. Uh, and on Facebook, like five years ago, and I'm still angry about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think I do remember oh, that. He, actually. He's been cl- clenching his tiny fist yeah. ever since. <laughs> five years. Maybe up to this. <laughs> like when the pandemic started, we started watching, uh, uh, next generation. And yeah, that, that that one episode came on. And I was like, Mick Fleetwood's on this episode. Holy smokes. And I was looking around trying to figure out who he was. And he's just one of those fucking fish people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I know you're talking about it. Wait, wait, we've seen it. I've seen him in other things. Is it like, uh, is it like the running man that he's in? He's in like some like Schwarzenegger movie where he's like part of the resistance. Or something. It's not Running Man, but he has been in uh, several movies. He, uh, the episode is called Manhunt, and he recorded his lines 19 times to say one word. That was flood. <laughs> <laughs> so, there well, you go. Took, uh, you know, multiple takes. So in the 90s, uh, when Spinal Tap uh, did a, a live tour. Uh, as you know, all of their other drummers are dead. Uh, Mick Fleetwood was their touring drummer. And how cool would that have been? Oh, like in, awesome. in 92? Uh, that could have been it. I just remember like I was Break, watching like, break like the Wind tour? Yes. Yes, yes. Okay. That okay. was the Break Like the Wind tour. 
Yeah. And oh, hey, Mick, Mick Fleetwood acting credits known for The Running Man. Oh, okay. Whoa. Oh, all right. All right. Next time we'll be talking about David Bowie, Heroes. All right. Thanks, y'all. Sun will be shining.